Support for Pivot comes from BetterHelp. How do you know when your social battery is running on empty? Maybe you get a little snippy with your friends or perhaps Scott Galloway. Or maybe you just fantasize about canceling plans, creating one excuse after... You're fantasizing about me? No, 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 never. You're fantasizing about me. Again? Again? Not once. Not once. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Get off my ad right now. All right. Canceling plans, creating one excuse after another, why you have to stay in. I do that to Scott all the time. It's not easy to keep track of how much socializing is right for you. Therapy can help you build more awareness of what you need and when. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy with licensed professionals. Scheduling is convenient and finding a therapist suited to your style is quick and easy. And we all know Scott Galloway needs therapy. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash pivot today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott Galloway is the Howard Stern of podcasting, according to the New York Times, in that he's currently off in private parts unknown. So today I'm joined for Scott Free August by actor, producer, and podcaster Sean Hayes. Welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me, Kara. No, this, probably, is my, that's your... this is my serious voice because <laughs> oh, we're going to be talking about serious topics today. We are. We are. But I want you to be funny because you are a funny guy. Uh, okay. How much you got? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so go back to the other voice. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about you. People don't realize all the stuff you do. Obviously, you're well known for being Just Jack on yeah. uh, Will and Grace, but uh-huh. you you do a lot of things. You produce shows. You produce yeah. everything. Yeah. And, we, and you're podcasting. Yeah. We, we start, I started a production company like, I don't know. 15 to 20 years ago mm-hmm. I, I was doing I was on the set of Will and Grace it was towards the end of the first run as we call it mm-hmm. the first eight years before the reboot and I was looking around like how did all you'd think I would have thought about this the first season but it was the last season mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like how did all this happen how did who started this who put this product, who brought who the donuts this? yes exactly these <laughs> yeah. 300 people together to build this mm-hmm. machine and I was mm-hmm. like that's fascinating it always starts with one phone call so who was mm-hmm. that person and then I became mm-hmm. really really curious about building these what I call machines of mm-hmm. uh, of shows and uh, mm-hmm. it just kind of opened up a whole new area in my brain, which is not very large to begin with. Well, it's large enough because a lot of actors don't do this. They sort of have a hit show and then they go off into the wilderness, essentially. Yes. Well, I needed a reason to get out of bed every morning because I saw the writing was on the wall. When you're on a hit show, as Mm -hmm. I was so you know, lucky to be on, Mm -hmm. you kind of know that that's kind of what happens unless you really dig, dig deep and nose to the grindstone and really kind of figure it out as you as you go. The therapist I had once said, um, you seem like a figure it outer. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's called survival mode. Like yeah, yeah, I wake up yeah. every day in survival mode because mm-hmm, my dad mm-hmm. left when I was five. My mom was working all the time. We had to parent ourselves. There was five kids, sometimes no food on the table, blah, 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 wow. blah. And I was like, oh, I have to figure this out. And I'm gay, so. Mm-hmm. No, by the way, is that okay? Which you, yeah, that's okay. That's okay, okay. on this show. Thanks. Yeah, okay, it's great. accepted. Not okay. with, you know, say Lindsey Graham, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, <laughs> well, um, she, she's in the same group. She is, but she doesn't seem to want to talk about it. Um, anyway, so you, so you created these shows. Uh, explain yeah. the shows that you produce. You sh- a lot of hit shows. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, there's. Uh, several, luckily. Uh, one was Grimm, that was mm-hmm. the uh, fairy tales uh, that yeah. were true. And then that was on for a long time, like six, seven years, something. Hot in Cleveland with all those mm-hmm. fabulous girls, uh, Betty White, Valerie Bertinelli, mm-hmm. Jane Leaves, and Wendy Malick. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Hollywood Game Night, which started right here in my living room. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And that just turned into this game show with Jane Lynch hosting. And then uh, we did some, I don't know. Oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, History of Comedy on CNN. Mm -hmm. um, did that, yeah. And I, I'll never forget the time. I flew out to CNN. I got the 6 or 7 a.m. flight, flew mm -hmm. out to CNN in New York from L.A., did shot three commercials and flew back that night. Yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to figure it out. Do. That's what you I, that's do. work. I don't know why I, I you I, you work just as hard as I do. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. I don't know what it is. I know what is it. Um, I like it. I love it. I love it. I don't. I don't. I, people ask me. Someone read me that you know a whole song that says a quote that you'll regret all the time you spend on business. I'm like, will I? I actually like it. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean. Like I love that, that sentence started with somebody read me, so you, <laughs> Someone, people read to you. Yes, yeah. they do. They were they were trying to get me to work less. It was some. Yeah. It was a family member, um, but, but I was like, "Sorry, I like it." But wait, do you? Are you one of the? This is a classic therapist question. But are <laughs> okay, you? Go ahead. Are you? Because <laughs> I've never in. been therapized. Just no, so, you know, uh, so here no. we go. But I'm going to move in closer to the mic for this. Do yeah. you? Are you? Do you worry that just just the stillness worry you? Does being still no. worry? Oh no. All right, never mind. Moving on. I like it. I love being still. I love being alone. I'm I'm very self-actualized, as many lesbians are, in case you're interested. Oh, God. Um, I got to go. Okay, okay. But here's the deal. <laughs> also, the thing that you are really a recent hit has been podcasting, which yeah. I can't believe because you came up to me. I think it was in Provincetown. You're like, yes. should I do this podcast? And then yes. I explained it to you. Yes. And you have like one of the top friggin' podcasts. Isn't that crazy? Like, I'll never forget that. Because I was like, because you had one of the top podcasts. And I was like, yeah, how do you yes, do that? Not what like do you yours. do? No, yeah. no, it, it it is. It's 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 filled with smart people. That's why I'm a little intimidated by this today right. because I'm supposed to All be right. smart, but I'm smart less, which is you the, name of the podcast. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I I remember that coming up to you and you were like, "Well, this is what you got, you got to do this, blah blah blah," and you kind of laid it all out for me. I was like, "God, mm -hmm. that seems like a lot of work." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but once you start, it's actually yeah. kind of fun and easy. It and is. Then, I mean, it's still work, but it's super fun. Yeah, and you do it with your two uh, friends. Yes, also. Jason Bateman and Will Arnett. Uh, we've yeah. been friends for over twenty years, and um, yeah. they're awesome. I mean, the funniest people. We're like brothers. Yeah, and you, you surprise know? each other on the show. It's a great yeah, show. So it's the conceit is that we one of us acts as a host every episode and brings on a guest to surprise the other two. And people right, are like, exactly. people always say. Do you, is that is that true? Do, are you mm -hmm. really surprised? Yeah. Why why wouldn't it yeah. be true? It's what's my line? I was watching that the other night because there was a clip of Lucille Ball on what's my line. It's Oh, you have all the so you're watching all the recent shows? Yes. You're all yeah. up to date. Yeah, I'm all up to date on what's my line. So uh <laughs> so one of the things that's really interesting about it is that you sold it then. You sold it, correct? We leased it. Leased it. Okay. Yes. What does that mean? Well, like a car. You either buy a car or you lease a car. If mm -hmm. you lease it, you have to give it back. Yeah. So Amazon Wondery leased the podcast mm -hmm. and we made a deal for three years and which was great. They're an amazing partner mm -hmm. and uh, we love them and it's been going, it's nothing but joy. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been doing live shows. It's been great. It's been really, I'm so pleased. Yeah. We went on tour in mm -hmm. um, February of this year and we filmed uh, filmed it as well for, as a mm -hmm. documentary. So right. for Discovery Plus. So that'll oh, wow. be exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm sure David yeah. Zaslav's very excited. Anyway, yeah. so so before we go on, I want to go through a few uh, like things. You understand the show. I'm going to 
talk about various things and you're going to give me your thoughts on them. And if you want to go off onto a tangent, which I know you're known to do, uh, that would be fine too. So one of the... <laughs> I love that you just explained it like I was three. Well, you are. So I'm going to bring up a topic and we're going to talk about it. And well, if you talk do, about you know? something else, that's okay too. And just make sure you finish your sandwich and your chips and your glass of milk before we're done. I have too many children, Sean. I have too many children. I know. How many kids do you have? Four. Four. We just went on a trip to Europe. Isn't that amazing? Oh, you went to Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Why three of, three that, of the four were with I me. want to go there. Why why did you go there? My wife's uh, brother had a party in a castle because he, he had a, a, a COVID <laughs> wedding. And so this was the party part of it. Because My they got married wife's in the brother had a party in a castle. Well, there's yes. no castles in L.A. So. No, there aren't any. No. So we had, a, it was lovely. We did falconry. My my son was able to throw its caber through the caber, you know, the log that you throw between your leg over over something. Well, that's called something different for me. We did all the Scottish things. We had yeah. haggis. We did the whole thing. It was falcon. It was fun. It was really okay. good. All right. And so well, two, three of my four children met. The other is in Amsterdam and he met a girl. He said, huh? now has a girlfriend. He was a long distance. No, no, they're on a program together in Amsterdam. Oh, I thought government. they met there. No, they did meet there, and now they're they're seeing each other. And I keep getting adorable pictures of them. So that's so cute. Switching. By the way, if I ever had a second mom, mm-hmm. I would want it to be you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I mean it mom. because uh, your kids are so fantastic, mm-hmm. th- which is uh, such are. a sign of of good parenting. Mm-hmm. And my mom was great too. But I always think that about you. Just like you Thank are you. all of it. You're smart and caring and loving and honest and. You know, you have sweet. rules and boundaries, but you're also loving. I love it. You would not have liked this morning with the with the potty training with the two and a half year old. That was oh, not you have loving. A two and a half that was year like old. go to the bathroom on the toilet. No, you could talk <laughs> to me like that. Yeah, I know. I know I could do it with you. You'd be an easier person to potty train than two and a half year olds. Anyway, so there's a new report in Bloomberg that says podcast hosts are charging guests to appear in their shows. Some yeah. hosts charge guests up to fifty thousand dollars. Did you bring the check? Yeah, I brought it. <laughs> Don't be, it might bounce, but um, no, isn't that crazy? Like I, I I just read that. I was like, wait, what? People pay to be on podcasts, Mm -hmm. which I, I, by the way, never happened. That'd be so disgusting on (laughs) Smartless on my podcast. But um, I don't understand. I guess I can understand like the, the desperation of needing the publicity. And if you can't get on, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's kind of like dating somebody. If yeah. if if you're not good enough or, or wanted enough to be on, yet you'll mm-hmm. accept a paycheck. I don't. I mm-hmm. think that's weird. Don't you it's think? It's called prostitution. But people yeah. have been doing it for years. Like a lot of magazines, it's pay to play kind of thing. So it's really? no surprise that it. Oh sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know you, from that. I'm sure you've been in some magazine where it was more marketing than anything. Well, else I pay, I know I pay for those magazines. I don't pay yes. to be in them. Yes, yeah. I figured. I figured. <laughs> so that was weird. We don't, neither of us pay, just so you know. We never pay, we never have people pay us to be on the show. Although people really do want to get on podcasts. Like yours would sell a lot of books for someone or whatever. I'm sure you have people. But yours too. I mean, yeah. I don't know if, would you ever do it? I don't think, well, no, you don't need to do no, it. No, no, never. No. You don't need no. to pay. Though some people ask, it's really interesting. I, I do a lot of events and they're like, what do you pay? I'm like, zero. How does that work for you? <laughs> you know, like how does that, that work anyway, for you? How does that work for you? That's my, one of my favorite. How does that work for you? Anyway, today we have a lot of things we're going to talk about. Alex Jones owes a fortune to Sandy Hook oh. parents, but will he pay up? Also, yeah. the Senate passes historic legislation around climate change, while Indiana makes history for something far worse. And we'll speak with author Isaac Fitzgerald about his new memoir, Dirtbag Massachusetts. Uh, it's like I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. So, first of all, 
First of all, HBO and Discovery Plus are merging. Not a surprise. Mr. Yeah. Entertainment, the product will be rolled out next summer. Yeah. Warner Brothers will start the process by cross-posting content to both services. Recently, HBO Max has been silently pulling down t- titles, also canceling projects like Batgirl. Yeah. I'd love to know what your thought is and how Hollywood's feeling about these. what's happening at Warner. And I'm glad you asked else. because I speak for Hollywood. So Yes, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a one-stop shop. Uh, <laughs> no, what I mean, I think it's super exciting. I mean, it's really? like, yes, it's this huge conglomerate coming together to provide, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I, I think it's going to be as big as Netflix. And look, mm-hmm. in the end, it, it, it's so funny because now a lot of uh, streamers are talking about ad support, like a tier of ad-supported yeah. mm-hmm. content. That's what Netflix is doing. Yeah, yeah which Netflix is doing, I'm sure. I think I read a couple others yes. are doing that too, like maybe Disney, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, so it's just network TV again. We're just now, right. it's just different how we get it. So mm-hmm. it's all, it's, isn't it funny how it's all the same? But I think yeah. it's exciting. I think the Discovery Plus or Discovery uh, HBO thing is super exciting. Think about mm-hmm. all those Brains coming together to create such incredible content, I think. Well, they need a lot of content, right? So yeah. I don't know where Will and Grace is, for example. Do you do you know who, who it's been bought? Do you get paid for when it goes on streamers? Or was that ever um, considered? Like, I, 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 yeah, like something little. But, little, but, yeah. but no one ever conceived of this. Do you think about that when you're making shows, like where it's going and how um, you get paid You know what? It? Isn't it funny? I, I Sometimes you get like, uh, you get information from agents or people in the industry of what streamers are looking for of like, Mm -hmm. well, we're really focusing on, you know, procedural dramas or whatever the thing is. But Mm -hmm. in the end, nobody knows what they want until they see it. Like if I've heard like huge, huge names, which I won't mention here, Mm -hmm. getting passed on, like projects getting passed on everywhere. And you're like, I don't understand why that is. But so they must Mm -hmm. have some edict that we don't know about, but uh, it's project to project. And isn't it interesting now when you watch a show People go, where do I see that? I don't know. Apple, uh, Netflix, uh, Disney. I don't know where I saw it. So you have to Mm -hmm. Google it. So I think they have a branding issue with all of this content when you don't know. Yeah, there's. It's just like a cornucopia of. Well, it's good for content creators like yourself because they they need stuff. I mean, one of the reasons they're merging is because they like Disney has an amazing IP library essentially yeah. of yeah and and others Warner does Lucas. to an extent yeah, yeah. And, and the others do to an extent DC. but do you when you're an actor well you're a producer and an actor but when you're making these things you kind of have to be multifaceted uh, we we did it honestly truthfully as a as an excuse to see each other during COVID I mean we were in our pajamas mm-hmm. zooming it was like let's mm-hmm. just do one let's do three let's do six right. and then we're like I can't believe people find this interesting and sure then is. um yeah, so I think it's, I think people respond to our podcast the same uh, reason yours or anybody else's mm-hmm. authenticity, and it's really truly us just screwing around. Right. You true. Know? That's true. That's true. What's happening? But, anyway, uh, ne- but wait, go ahead. Sorry, putting a go button ahead. on that other thing is, it's kind of interesting though. Like, do you agree with that branding thing about well, streamers? I, because uh, yes, I, I think I, they're I confusing. Wish... It's, confusing. it's confusing to customers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people know Disney, and you sort of know a Disney movie, but you don't know. But of... you don't know the shows on Disney Plus. That's you right. just know shows. So my point is, the show. This is my whole point. Sorry, mm-hmm. the show becomes the star. The idea, right. because the title is now mm-hmm. becoming the star, and stars sure are still important mm-hmm. to add to the ingredients. But to me, the idea is 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 the, is the reason to watch. Like it'll be interesting to see how the Gray Man does, which has a lot is chock full of stars, right? Yeah. Um, on by the streaming, way, I'm but, an idiot. I don't know it. 
What's it's the name? It's on Netflix. It's with um, oh, it's uh, now I'm totally. Bre- it's not Ryan Reynolds. It's the other guy. It's the guy who isn't Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> we cut that out. <laughs> you know who it is. You know who it is. I, I don't. I, I have to look it up. All right, whatever. It's whatever. him. Anyway, um, uh, so <laughs> so that's the problem. You don't remember stars anymore. It's but speaking him. of which, by the way, in some cases they are. Theaters are making a comeback. AMC has narrowed its quarterly losses with thanks to summer blockbusters like Top mm. Gun Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion. Yes. Although the first was fantastic, the, thir- the second was terrible. Total revenue reached $1.2 billion, up from $444.7 million last uh, quarter, last year quarter. Nicole Kidman has renewed her contract as spokesperson for the company for another mm-hmm. year, just in case you were wondering. Um, have you been going to theaters? I have not. I have yes. been a tiny bit, tiny bit. I saw, well, the ones you mentioned I saw, uh, mm-hmm. I thought Top Gun Maverick was incredible. I did too. I thought it was so good. Um, yeah. I do, I think that's funny that Nicole Kidman, um, not funny, I just think, good for her. I don't know her yeah. at all, but yeah. um, good for her. I just hope she wears another sparkly pantsuit in every ad. It- have you seen exactly. them? I have. I'm surprised it's her. I'm like, what is she doing up there? Yeah, she's she's AMC. telling us to go back to the. Isn't it wonderful to go back to the theater? Thanks, <laughs> Nicole. <it>? Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> From the seats, you know, everybody's like, Nicole, sit down, and then she sits down. You know what I mean? She sits down in the theater like she's really gonna watch a movie. But uh, everybody, everybody in this town that makes the yeah. shit, they're like, yeah. no, they yelled cut, and she got out of there. Yeah, that's right. She works. She, speaking of hardest working woman in show business, she's she works really hard. She's everywhere. Oh God, so. she's everywhere. Yeah, did you see her in the yeah. prom? Yeah, uh, I did. Did you like the prom? I saw the Broadway show and I loved yes. the Broadway yeah. show. I thought it was yeah. incredible. And yeah. Um, yeah, I cried at the Broadway show because the yeah. girl gets the girl at the end. I was I was yes, bawling my bawling my eyes out. Yes, yes, yes. And it's, of course, the woman who won the Oscar for, um, was in it, uh, for for uh, Best Supporting Actress. Um, yeah. I'm also blank. I'm blanking oh my God. everyone. Why can't, well, it's because we're older. DuBose or something like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Ariana DuBose. Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I just wonder if theaters are really making a comeback. I, of course, famously predicted that it's never going to be the same post-COVID because young people don't go to them. My, uh, my kids don't go to theaters Your crystal ball never fails. I know, that's true. But so, I still yeah. think I'm right. I still think I'm right. They, they have to have these hits, these well, giant- no, nobody Nobody's going to go see, you know, remember The Hours? Remember that uh, show? Yeah, The Hours. Yes, Nobody's going to see hours. that. The theater. So <laughs> I don't know why I just brought that. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird movie. <laughs> like, well, Nicole Kidman, that's why I brought it up, because she's got a oh, fake right. nose she's, in yes. it. Yes, she's got yes. a fake nose yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was chock full of actresses being. That was being, that was know, all, acting. All great There's a lot performances. of acting. Yeah, yeah all Meryl great Street. That was really yes, good. Um, but you know what I mean. Nobody's going to rush to see the new Downton Abbey, and you know, yeah. even though I would. By the way, and did. But that's a plain movie to me. That's a plain movie. Well, it's for me, it's a theater movie because I love okay. it. Okay, all right, okay. I only go to see Top Gun Maverick. That's the only thing I'll go. Or well, a it's over movie. now. So what else are you going to yes, see? Yes, I know. Well, that's the, the next thing, Marvel movie. The well, next, do you Thor? So, I, I saw Thor in the theater. I saw Thor in the theater. Oh, okay, I was great. Wildly disappointed. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay, I, can, I can't comment on those things. But it was good in the theater. I didn't see um, it. Yeah, but but any, but but we just saw, we just watched Buzz Lightyear, you know that movie? Yeah. Because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll watch a Pixar movie. They're always well made, and um and I watched it. I was like, Scotty's like, oh, it's on it's on TV. I'm like, in our house. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, streaming. I was like, so I don't have to go to the theater? No, that's how yeah. dumb I am. I think that's the way it's going. Uh, yeah, right. for sure. Why why leave your house? Two more quick things. Axios will sell to Cox Enterprises for $525 million. You lease, they sold. Uh, the founders <laughs> will continue to run the company. Wait, I don't know any any of the words you said. 
Axios is a media company and yeah. they came to me for breakfast. They were they started Politico and I said you should leave Politico and start your own company and they just sold it for 525 million. To who? Carousel, to a Cox Enterprises. Cox oh, newspapers. On. I'm come just on. saying. I know. Okay. Well, I'm not Co Cox ate it up. <laughs> Cox ate it up. Come on. There's all anyway. those easy jokes. I, I'm just saying it's someone else I advised to go into their own business and they did. But, but speaking of which, not such good news. Let's get to our first big story. <gasps> Alex Jones must pay $45 million not to enough. parents of Sandy. I agree. Sandy Hook, a victim, a singular one. There's more cases coming. The jury awarded that sum in punitive damages last week as Jones stood trial for defamation. It was also decided he should pay an additional $4.1 million in compensatory damages, but Jones may get a break. State law, Texas state law caps the amount punitive damages can be. The trial judge noted the cap and said that it shows Texans, quotes, uh, don't trust our juries. Um, that said, there are other cases coming up in states like Connecticut where there aren't caps. And this jury did say what a, a lying piece of shit he is. I mean, I think that's really the Isn't point. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, and by the way, did you know he has children? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. So, like, what are the? That's what's amazing to me that he found a wife and kids that support yes. him through all the lies. I yep. guess. Well, he. I think they had some marital problems, from what I understand. Go figure. Yeah, but I mean, exactly. Like, he still has to pay the four point one. Yeah, but that's nothing to him. No, well, it is. He keeps hiding money all over the place too. He's trying to declare bankruptcy, et cetera, et cetera. But he yeah. faces two other cases. One of which is in a state where I think it go. Quite high. So let me ask you something because yeah. you're 80,000 times mm -hmm. smarter than me. Do you think that uh, because of this um, decision by the jury and the judge mm -hmm. and the kind of high profile notion of this case that's all about kind of all about lying to make money, right? Is it the beginning of a, of a kind of lesson to be learned in the country that we're going to come after you if you lie as much? No, I think that there, you know, there, there's situations like Alex Jones, which are particularly egregious. I interviewed one of the fathers of one of the kids killed at Sandy Hook. Noah oh, wow. uh, Posner was killed there. I interviewed his father, Len Posner. And in this case, he's he's lost because he of the damage he in that the families right. got right. because right. of him, not because of copyright or anything else, which right. is a silly way to try to beat someone like this because it should be because of the damage he caused. Right. Um, you know, I think. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Okay. Yeah, so it's really difficult. I think one of the things that happens is unless they're stopped, it's very Trumpian. Unless they're stopped, they don't right. get stopped, right? I mean, just right. today, General Milley, they put out his resignation letter that he never sent because he didn't res resign, where he knew what Trump was doing, but then, of course, didn't say anything. And I think that's what happens. These people are emboldened, whether it's right. Marjorie Taylor Greene, right. whether it's Alex Jones, whether it's... Right. Um, whether it's Roger Stone, whether it's right. Trump himself, that lying seems to pay off. You know, crime does pay. But what? But what's the? I mean, that's the scary part, right? Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. Lying pays off, and mm -hmm. and that that governor that just won the election, that Carrie Lake, and she's like, yeah, it's stolen, it's stolen. I mean, so let me ask you this: Do you think that the people who vote for these people who are lying kind mm -hmm. of know that they're lying, but they're like, no. you know what? I, it, whatever it takes. No, no, because literally today my mother was like, what's this QAnon thing? She watches only Fox, so she is not aware of the damage oh, that QAnon wow. does. Um, so, no, I don't. I think they believe it. And, of course, it picks it sort of a scab of America, the American public, which is someone must be lying somewhere, right? right. This sort of weird conspiracy. So, you know, it's it's it, it, conspiracy theories are active. But Back to Alex Jones, though. Like, don't you think the people who believe the lies and harass the families also mm -hmm. are at fault? 
because you have to be really, really dumb to believe right. someone like Alex Jones. Right. Except no. I mean, it, it's sort of like talking by the January people who attacked the Capitol on January 6th. Some of them were quite malevolent. Some of them were just going along for the ride, right? right and they just right. decided to trespass because why not carry around the gavel of Nancy right. Pelosi? Why not, you know, wear an outfit and run around and sit in her chair or whatever they wanted to do? Right. So, no, I think a lot of them are not malevolent. I just think they go along with it. Yeah. And it fits in their worldview of yeah. that someone must be at fault. Um, and God, in general- so it, the malevolent players like Jones and Trump and others mm -hmm. take advantage of that because right. they're suckers, right? So they want and then to sell what, and then what's the And then how does this story end? Because because who is to say that the Democrats, if we lose, mm -hmm. all the all the hardcore Democrats aren't going to be like, well, it's a stolen le stolen election. You guys said it. Now That's we're correct. saying it. Well, the, so the whole idea it's over. is to it's the whole idea is to create confusion and dis. dis and, and upsetness, really, upset right. people. Right. And so I think that's the problem, is discord and disruption are, are and the tools to use it are online tools, as we've talked about. You and I have talked about this, is online tools are perfect. It changes people's mentality yeah. when they're seeing it online. Yeah. And so that's what they, these people existed since the beginning of the United States of America. There was conspiracy theories right from the beginning. The question is, you know, they had conspiracy theories about Alexander Hamilton, but it just right. didn't get out that much, right? I mean, right. And that's the problem. So Jones, I think, is probably done for. Um, but they keep trying to make these decisions about freedom of speech. And he said it will affect every talk show host. Of course it will. And it will affect only the malevolent liars. Right. Um, and that's and we'll see. He's going to be he's going to be in court forever now, and I think the in in Connecticut hundreds of millions of dollars, and then they're going to find the money he's hiding because he's made. I mean, he's sold so you think supplements that, and different things. Like so that. you don't think somebody like him, who's so extremely wealthy, can kind of just keep fighting the courts until he dies and keep all his money while he's still alive? Well, I think he's he's got a, a tinge of mental illness. So yes, yes I think yeah. he can. Just yeah. like Trump. Why not keep going? Why not keep going? Why not right. keep saying it? Because it raises money and doesn't. I think eventually, you know, he had to admit in court that he he lied. And one of the things that was really interesting is this judge, he would say something. Then the the, pro, the attorney against him would say, well, here you are saying it. And yeah. the judge says, you cannot keep lying in court. But right. he, can, he right. can keep lying in court, right? Anyway, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll look into what didn't make it into the Senate's big bill. And we'll speak with a friend of Pivot, Isaac Fitzgerald, about fight clubs and the Catholic Church. Maybe he can give us some answers. Ooh, the Catholic Church. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. VAN29.com. Sean. 
John, we're back. It's finally happened. The Senate passed a landmark climate, health, and tax bill over the weekend. It was a Fantastic. big one. But the bill marks the largest climate investment ever by the U.S. at nearly $370 billion. But the victory wasn't without compromise. Some of the casualties of the deal making: no universal pre-K, no child tax credit, no free community college, no dental, hearing, and vision expansions to Medicare, no expansion of earned income tax credit, a cap, uh, no cap on the price of insulin. Republicans killed that one. Yeah, and Kristen Cinema killed the amendment that would close the carried interest loophole. You know, Molly Jungfast tweeted, find someone who loves you the way cinema loves private equity. Oh my so <laughs> there's still, there's a lot left uh, in the table. What's in the bill, Medicare can negotiate directly with drug makers, eventually expansion of insurance premium subsidies for low income Americans, tax increases on wealthy corporations, tax breaks and incentives for green technology and investments. Just a few weeks ago, we thought this agenda was completely dead. So it's sort of half full. People are people are saying half full, essentially. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, You know, I, you, you, I'm going to say the dumb dumb. I'm always going to say the dumb dumb thing. Because all right, please do. I, I break it down to the lowest denominator. So you look at that number. What was the number? 700 some? Bill, oh, sorry. It's $370 billion. $370 billion. Think about this for one second. Because this is what I what we never get to see mm-hmm. is okay. One million dollars is a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Ten million. Now think of ten million. Oh my god. Now think of a hundred million dollars. What a hundred million dollars? Mm-hmm. Then think of one billion dollars. Right. And now this is a three hundred plus billion. Mm-hmm. They always say, okay, so this is going to go here. But I would love to see a line item broken down on a mm-hmm. on a leader sheet or whatever that is mm-hmm. of of where every dollar goes because. I, I I never see like the street I live on is filled with potholes. <laughs> that's Los Angeles, right? I know, but like that's you your new mayor. You you have a mayoral election. That's yeah. what you should address for that one. I'm super excited about that. And uh, but I, I never see the change. I always see mm-hmm. the same homeless people. I always see the same streets. Mm-hmm. I always see the same infrastructure just falling mm-hmm. apart everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. So, and mm-hmm. I know this is California, and I know blah blah blah. But just like wherever I go, wherever you mm-hmm. travel, and I was just in Chicago, mm-hmm. I was like, where's this money going? Like. Don't you want to see it broken down? How yes, is, it is. Great. Actually. Yeah, we're all supposed to celebrate that we we got this passed, well, mm-hmm. a version of it passed. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, where is it all going to go? Because I feel like it just, they celebrate and then we never see it. Right. Well, that's a lot of people feel that way about the government, right? That why yeah. are they getting all this money and doing nothing with it? I think the question is how much came out of it because of, you know, political wrangling, especially with business interests. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they always seem to get the money they need. Like this 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 amendment that would uh, have closed the carried interest loophole would have made millions of dollars for the government. Um, and it didn't because one single senator held up the entire right. thing because of the way it's done right. um, because she happens to like venture capitalists and get a lot of money from them. And so yeah. I think that's what happens. And it's at the expense of say uh, universal pre-K, which we all know would be a good thing. Yeah. Um, but we can't seem to spend money on um, one of the problems um, that, that with these, with these agendas is they're so big and they're so massive. Yeah. Um, and the problems are even bigger that it makes it almost impossible to understand the benefits is what you're talking about. Yeah. Because that, because the, the effective way to do it, is to get smart people that you're doling this money out to run certain programs, mm-hmm. but you but it's like you know whether you hate them or love them, people in Congress they're supposed mm-hmm. to be smart. They went to law school, blah blah blah. So they throw the money at it, mm-hmm. but then the people that they throw the money at are like, oh, mm-hmm. awesome! I just got ten billion dollars to do whatever I want because nobody's looking down my, you know what right. I mean? 
Right, right. I think a lot of that feels like that, unfortunately. And I think a lot of, again, like we were just talking about, people feel overwhelmed by all the problems. And when these these bills yeah. come up, it's a question of whether it's positive or negative. And then, of course, Republicans will use it to try to elect themselves, saying right. Democrats right. are ineffective and Democrats will see, look what we did for you. Now, they don't do enough of that. You know, so then, like, what do you feel? Do you feel powerless when you get when you read no. all this stuff and you've what's no. that? No, no, because no. you have a voice and you're using it on pivot, guys. Right. Welcome to pivot. This welcome is Kara Swisher and I'm Sean Hayes. <laughs> this is today, we're going to be talking to an author. No, you have a voice and you use it. But I tell people like, you know, I would say this, my friend Maria Shriver, who's one of the greatest people ever to live. She's she's always like, she would hear me complain about whatever we're talking about. And she goes, I know, I totally agree. So what are you doing about it? That's correct, Sean. And I was like, Maria is right. Right? She calls you. you I love that. What are you doing about those potholes, Sean? Get out there in the back. Oh. Me and like a construction suit, <laughs> yeah. listening to YMCA, just like yes, filling that's exactly the holes. It. That's yeah. Trump's favorite song, by the way. Speaking yeah. of uh, from right-wing <laughs> things, there's two things that I'd love your thoughts on. Uh, Indiana passed a ban on abortion last week, the first yes. state to do so since yes. the overturn of Roe v. Wade. The ban has exemptions for rape, incest, and the health of the mother and some other yep. qualifiers. But it still has Indiana businesses spooked. Indiana's Chamber of Commerce cautioned the bill can make it harder to draw tourists and conventions to the state. Um, when you go on tour, do you consider Things like this, for example, I pulled my pivot conference out of Florida because as I don't say gay bill, for example. I oh, wow. That'll show them. Yeah. Yeah, so, I know. Um, they they yeah. got mad, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, that's uh, good that you did Governor that. DeSantis' is press person lost her ever-loving mind. That, see, I love that you do stuff like that. I just, I, It just shows polls are bullshit, right? Because mm-hmm. who would have guessed Kansas? And now mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought Indiana would go this way. And then Indi- mm-hmm. I was kind of like, when I read that, I was like, Indiana? Right, right. next to they Illinois. They tried to. What? Do you remember? They tried to many years ago when Mike Pence was yeah. governor, and then yeah. Salesforce kind of forced them, forced their hand. They've been silent here. They're but don't you agree employed. that like the polls are like, you know, when when you when you wake up in the morning, you that's the news you read. You're like Indiana or right. Kansas. It's mm-hmm. just we don't. It just we don't know what's going on in these towns and these communities in these. I cities. suspect the people of Indiana are not as positive about this as the legislators. No, of right? course not. Of course right. not. Nobody is, the by the way. Right, right. Nobody is. The majority of America doesn't, you know, doesn't agree with it. Right. So would you pull out of a a city? Would you say, we're not going to go to Indianapolis for the Smartless tour? That's a good question. You don't want to like, you know, upset the people that are still your fans. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, I understand the reason to pull out and the statement that that makes, but at the same time, your fans want to see you. So it's not, and they probably think how you think. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Hmm. I wouldn't go to Indiana. I wouldn't go to Indiana. Oh no, I'm clear where I'm clear where you stand. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I just feel like it's you have to. You know, one of the things like the argument I had with the people from the DeSantis people, I was like, well, they kept saying I was woke and this and that, and I said, you know what, I am. I'm a capitalist, and I want to put my money where I want to, just because you're a mm-hmm. communist and want to force me to do things. So I kept calling them socialists and communists, which upset mm-hmm. them. But I was like, I'm a capitalist, and I don't feel like making money for your state, right? right. I, I don't feel right. like doing it. I just, it's my capitalistic decision to uh, operate in cities and states that are more, and you can't do it with everything. You're right. Like, what do you do if you're a business owner, if you're Salesforce, you have employees there? Right. How do you tricky. deal with it? It's tricky. It is. It's very I mean, I, tricky. I, I, I love that you you did that. I don't know. Look, it's case by case, right? Maybe I'll feel mm-hmm. different and, and yeah. 
next yeah. time we go on well, tour. What, when I was talking to Kathy Griffin a couple of weeks ago, she said she has a hard time now doing, she hasn't gone back to stand up after the attack. She yeah. withstood from the Trump administration, but she, uh, she's nervous to go to those because of guns. You know, she's nervous of being attacked. That's yeah, another thing I would too. I, I mean, yeah. oh my God, gun. Can you believe that? By the way, going way back to the beginning of this mm-hmm. entire episode, mm-hmm. which about movie theaters is like, yeah, that's why I don't, I'll go selectively and I'll make sure I'll go when it's kind of empty because you can look online mm-hmm. when nobody's there. And mm-hmm. because I don't want to get shot up in a theater. That's what mm-hmm. people think now. Can you fucking yeah. believe that? I that cannot. that's where your mind goes whenever there's a public kind of anything. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it's probably because of my age too. I'm not 20 years old where you feel invincible and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you go, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go to that outdoor concert. I'll go to this thing. But it's on, it's on my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, speaking of potential bans also, something that's a little closer to home to both of us, Senator Lindsey Graham says that abortion and gay marriage rights should be decided by the states. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what he said. Are you saying that the 2015 Supreme Court decision that made same-sex marriage the law of the land nationally should be overturned? No, I am saying that I don't think it's going to be overturned. Nor I'll, should it be? Well, you know, that'd be up to the court. The reasoning I think could be attacked, but the point I'm trying to make is I've been consistent. I think states should decide the issue of marriage and states should decide the issue of abortion. So uh, what do you think about that, Lindsey Graham? Well, I mean, what? how much time do you got? I mean... I know. I don't think she's getting married anytime soon. <laughs> You're speaking my language, lady. Yeah, I know. <laughs> speaking of yeah, lady. She, she's, she came out of the womb kind of screwed up. Like... Yeah. I don't know. Look, you know, I, I'm not as worried about uh, gay marriage, the gay marriage issue. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be really, 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 really hard to undo that, mm-hmm. um, especially when, I don't know, look, I'm, I might be naive, but... You're being naive. I am? Yeah. You think? They want, All right. they want the gay marriage gone. They want the, a lot of the people do. You know what's amazing about that? Go up to somebody who's against it, right? And mm-hmm. go, how was your life affected... Mm-hmm. before gay marriage was legal and mm-hmm. after it was gay. Your life has not changed at all. We yeah. don't see each other. I don't know you. You live your life. Mm-hmm. You go to work. Mm-hmm. You have your family. You drink your beer. You do whatever you want. And I'll go do whatever I want. But I get the same mm-hmm. benefits as you. That's mm-hmm. why we live in the con- in the same country. So mm-hmm. for the people that are so adamant, what the hell? Mm-hmm. How is it changing your life in any yeah. way? Yeah, I'm a little meaner. You're very okay, nice about that. Go ahead, I, tell I, me. I, I literally am like, get your fucking hands off my marriage or I'll kill you. Like, yeah. that's really my whole policy. You know, I really find it, I carry the 14th Amendment with me, equal rights under the law. I care, I like, it's weird because someone, you know, I make the joke that only uh, only lesbians are having this many children and and uh, except for evangelicals and ours get vaccinated. Um, right. I do have actually evangelical <laughs> relatives, but, um, you know, I'm just going to keep having children is what I'm doing. I'm building up a group force that is going to, you know, I, of course, form the militia Etheridge with them. Um, and we're going to fight for our rights. We're not going to. This Militia is not- Etheridge. That's hysterical. <laughs> that's a good that's one. My- Wait. Like um, oh, my God. You can God. join it. Um, Are you butch enough now? <laughs> who, me? Yeah. No, I'll organize everybody's food when they come back from the battle. <laughs> <laughs> but are you married? Wait, I don't even know this. Are you married? For 16 years, yeah. 16 years. Married. Yeah. Well, Marys. no, married maybe like nine years, eight years. Nine years. Yeah. So what would you do if they started to bring it back to the States? Then you would, once again, if you were in other states and something happened to you, say you were in Indianapolis. Yeah, I would get, well, see, that's the thing. That's the difference between me and you. I, yeah. I get upset when 
it's like about to happen or something, but there's nothing happening right now. So I don't really, right? Like mm-hmm. the rest of America, mm-hmm. you don't really focus on it until yeah. it affects you. So, um, but but what would I do? I would fight it. I would definitely fight it. And I would, um, mm-hmm. I almost feel like, I almost feel like there's a lawsuit against the government if something mm-hmm. like that happened, because you can't give somebody a right and take it away. How is that they legal? Just did. No, I know, but I mean, everybody's fighting it, right? But what's happening is all the state, every state is almost, except for Indiana, is saying that the the ban is wrong. Well, not Texas, not Florida. You know, we'll see. It's the legislators in charge. I think they have marriage in the crosshairs because they didn't win the first time. They lost badly um, and they want to win it back. I think these are some of the things. I think they're having a harder time with marriage over than abortion. I think that mm-hmm. is no question because I think most people, you know, the numbers are higher. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going right. to happen. I just listened to Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito and I think, well, it could happen. I know. Right? And, and you know, the thing that everybody brings up, which is such a smart argument, what about interracial marriage, Clarence? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Clarence. You know, but I guess we're going to, I mean, where does it end? It doesn't. That Christian America, as Marjorie Taylor Greene says, um, which is she what said she that. wants. That's she what did. she wants. She said yeah. that. Yeah. Christian nationalists. She's crazy, Sean, man. you got to hang out with me more. We got to keep I know, Believe me. I know yeah. when you asked me. My mother me also asked who she was today. I was like, she only gets Fox News, so she only gets. <laughs> you know, when not, you know what I thought you said? Who's she? I thought you meant me. Your mom was like, well, Sean oh, Hayes, who who's she? No, she was very, she, my mother, was very excited about her, you, being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I love him. He's so nice. He's oh, so that's nice. so sweet. Yeah, no, um, well, likewise. She I, likes I the gays. She likes the gays, but she still has was not the best parent in that in that situation, but she really? and I have settled that many years later. Yeah, my yes. mom my mom wrote me like a, a 12 page handwritten, what? both sides, legal size paper. Uh, you know, I'm going to hell, I'll read the Bible, and blah. And then she did a complete uh, 180 and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and said, you know, it's her favorite. Uh, she loved everything. Yeah, well, there you have it. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, uh, speaking of which, speaking of men, uh, no, yeah. speaking of men, uh, let's bring in our friend of Pivot. Isaac Fitzgerald is the author of Dirtbag Massachusetts, a confessional, which follows the author from a Catholic upbringing to bartending and dive bars to missionary work dodging landmines in Southeast Asia. Welcome, Isaac Fitzgerald. Kara, thank you so much for having me. I have to say, your title is my, I wish I had this title for, I'm supposedly working on a book, but I wish mine was called Dirtbag. And in fact, I'm thinking of calling my <laughs> next podcast Dirtbag. I think it's the most perfect. Mine's um, just called Bag. <laughs> <laughs> I so I, I want to talk a little bit about this, but first you had a hit children's book called How to Be a Pirate. And my, uh, I, I did buy it actually for my daughter. Um, and I think it's wonderful. Um, but now you're writing your own coming of age story about yourself. So talk about why you called it Dirtbag Massachusetts. Obviously, you're from Massachusetts, but what was your what was your goal in writing this? Well, so I originally had there was a town I moved around a lot as a Mm -hmm. kid, but a town that I spent most of my teenage years in was called Athol, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one guess what -hmm. everyone else in the state called us. Asshole. Butthole. (laughs) That's right. Asshole, Massachusetts. Turns out you can't uh, call a book that, uh-huh. uh, or, you know, you'd have to have asterisks or something. And uh-huh. so it was actually my good friend, Jason Diamond, who's a mm-hmm. wonderful author. And I mm-hmm. kid you not, we were driving to Boston for an event of his, we were going to stay in a motel under like the shadow of Fenway. And he mm-hmm. just very casually said, why don't you call it dirtbag Massachusetts? Because I was saying I couldn't call it asshole Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And from there, like that clicked at that point, the book was even different than what 
the final product was. Mm -hmm. But at that point, it clicked. That became my lodestar. Dirtbag Massachusetts was going to be the heart of every essay that I put into this book. In the essay. And so there's you talk a lot about various things. But what struck me as I was looking at it, and by the way, my wife's from Massachusetts. She's from Brookline, which is a very different than asshole Massachusetts. (laughs) Um, But um, but she still loves her Massachusetts. But it smells the same. It smells, no, it smells good. Brookline <laughs> okay. smells real nice. Okay. Um, but one of the things I was struck by the importance of communal space, um, whether it's a homeless shelter or a biker bar, can you talk a little bit about, you know, because there's a lot of community. You talk a lot about community when you're when you're writing this. Yeah, I, so I was raised in an unhoused shelter uh, run by the Catholic worker. And mm-hmm. I really think if you look at my childhood on paper, or you look at my whole life on paper, you would think those early years were the hardest whereas they were actually the best years. I felt the most loved there. I felt Mm -hmm. the most community. It was a wonderful, progressive situation to be in. And I'm so grateful. My parents and I, of course, have complex relationships, but I'm so grateful for the things that they gave me. One of the things was books. The other things was a strong sense of community. And I Mm -hmm. learned that there at the Catholic Worker. Um, As I grew older, I found myself drawn more and more to places Basically, home and the church, and when I say the church, I mean the institution, not so much the faith, but those became unsafe spaces for me. Mm -hmm. Places like a biker bar, or I write an essay about the armory in San Francisco, those became more safe spaces for me. And the reason for that was because of the community that I found there. My therapist actually pointed out I was probably drawn to those places Mm because I thought they were going to be dangerous. But Mm -hmm. what they actually were, were filled with kind of loving, compassionate people that accepted people any which way they were. And that really, really gave me a space to be myself and maybe start to grapple with some of the issues I was trying to put in the rearview mirror. Mm Mm-hmm. Explain the armory for people, why the armory in San Francisco. So the armory is a giant brick building in the heart of San Francisco. It's in the Mission District, Mm -hmm. and it has been many, many things, including a few scenes for the Millennium Falcon, for Star Wars was filmed there. But at the time, uh, kink.com, which is a porn company that was run by a man named Peter, was run out of the armory, and I became a part of the community there and eventually became an actor uh, for kink.com. They're wonderful people, I have to say. I've gone there many times. It's a wonderful place. Absolutely right. Yeah. It's fascinating what you were talking about growing up, though. Did you, you said a shelter, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, it's fascinating that you got through all of that. I mean, it just sounds, I don't, that's all I have to say. <laughs> well, you, no, no, yourself. I appreciate that, Sean. It yeah. was, let me tell you, I feel very lucky um, that that family, that's, that's part of the core story of this book, too. That family kind of explodes, not yeah. because of the shelter, but actually in some of the isolation we find ourselves in afterwards. Our family explodes. But the book is also very much about how that family comes back together yeah. in a totally new um, but still very beautiful shape. Well, I can't mm-hmm. wait to read it. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, so, so, Sean, one of the things you talked about was your own family. You had five kids. Yeah. Your mom raised you. Yeah. Your dad wasn't around, yeah. the same kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Dad left when I was five, Isaac, and uh, and we kind of parented ourselves. So, um, you, you, I was saying to Kara when we first started, you kind of have, I still have, I still wake up every day with this kind of survival mode where it's like, what can, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta like hunter gatherer. It's like, I gotta go work hard to get the food, to get them, you know, all of that kind of mentality. So, um, I, I can relate to those kinds of struggles and, and it makes you, you know, what kills you, it makes you stronger. So that's kind of, no, what that's absolutely right, Sean. And I want you to know that I completely relate to that. And I think so many, I'm sure Kara, you have some relationship to this as well. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us such strivers. Right. We wake up with that. Oh, all right. What am I figuring out today? How am I going to keep the peace today? What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. And it really is this kind of survival mentality. I think that's such a perfect way to put it. Do you have kids, Isaac? 
No, no. I've actually chosen to not be a parent. I'm going to, I wrote an essay for Esquire recently that's called The World Needs Uncles Too. And it's very much about my decision. I love that my siblings have had children. I love watching my parents who really did struggle being parents get to become the world's best grandparents. Mm -hmm. But I myself, I think I'm going to take an uncle role. Yeah, that's interesting. I read this quote once from this woman, which I really love. She said, I'd rather regret not having kids than have them and regret it later. And that's kind of like how I feel because it's such a roll of the dice, unless you end up with brilliant kids like Kara. Yeah, I have four, I have them for all of you. I've been having children for all of you. Um, but one of the things you talk about this um, is this so, uh, unusual social spaces in this book. Um, one of the ones was you write a lot, uh, very lovely, about a teenage fight club um, and and the, the bonds that you create there. Obviously, you talk about the Catholic Church. Um, talk a little bit about that, because I just think the one of the things that we Sean and I were just talking about is the lack of community of how we're all sort of isolated in these bubbles now. And mm-hmm. and where do we go from here? We're talking about Alex Jones and the people that sort of get fed his line of horseshit, for example. Um, and it works on them because people don't feel separate. How do you talk about these social spaces, that you, the physical social spaces, not online ones? The internet has provided me with so much. I am one of those people, I have an essay in the book that's basically, Mm -hmm. I was looking at analog porn when I was 12, and by 13, things have become very online. I was born in 1983, so I'm very much of that last generation that had one one foot in kind of the analog world and then one foot in the internet world. The internet provided so much for me. It allowed me to meet like-minded people that I never would have met before. It allowed me to build a writing community that started in San Francisco, but then went out across the country working with writers from all over the place. And I so loved that. But the fact of the matter is, is it allowed a lot of different people to find a lot of other different like-minded people. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it has created these bubbles. And more and more, I find myself still with deep appreciation for the internet, but looking to make connections offline. I'm trying to walk more. I'm trying to go out and just meet with friends, sit with them, spend time with them. I do my damnedest not to look at my phone as Mm -hmm. much as I used to. And part of that is, I think... A lot of us are thirsty for that form of connection, especially, of course, after the pandemic, especially, of course, after being Mm -hmm. so limited in the spaces that we could be in. So that is community, like we mentioned before, like we touched on, has always been so important to me. And I think it's going to become in the next five, 10 years, something that people are very, very focused on. And I'm actually physical, physical community. Yeah, physical, exactly. Physical spaces. I'm so even if it was fighting, it didn't matter. It was well, so that's. That's what's funny about the Fight Club, and I'm so glad you're bringing it back to that. So I recently, somebody, you know, I was like, oh, I wasn't a very angry kid. And it was my therapist who was like, you literally told me about how you and your friends used to get together and fight. And that's when I realized what that was about, which was, you know, when you push things down and you try and ignore things, they bubble up in these weird ways. Mm -hmm. We started this group. And it was about joy. It was about fun. It was about spending time together. But what is it really about? We had violence in our homes. And this was our attempt to try and control it. We couldn't control it in our own homes. Mm -hmm. Violence would roll in like a storm, unexpected. But when we were in this group, we controlled the violence. We consented to it. We agreed to it. And I think that's one of the things that deeply drew us to it. The other thing is I think we were all very lonely. And so it brought us together and it allowed us and made a space for which we could actually, you know, crush up against one another and touch each Mm -hmm. other and like feel that. And I do really think at the time, if you had asked me, I would have just been like, we saw a cool movie and we thought Mm -hmm. it was fun. Mm -hmm. But looking back at it now, I see so many young men who are desperate 
for connection and yeah. desperate to try and control the violence that they felt like they didn't have control of in other parts yeah. of their life. When I was younger, I wish you, uh, that group of people would have crushed up against me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this episode in the conventional booth then, because it is vivid. Go ahead, Isaac. Yes. So th this is this is a very big moment in the book, and it was... <sighs> It's a difficult moment to dissect. And I think mm -hmm. this is part of what I'm trying to do in the book mm -hmm. is you want to make sure that you're facing the reality of the situation. And the reality of this situation is I don't know for sure what was happening on the other side of that lattice. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the confessional. There's a metal lattice between me and the priest. All I know is that at the age of 12, I was confessing many different things mm -hmm. and none of them held this person's attention. Mm -hmm. They truly were just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I, knowing kind of that the thing that you don't want to confess probably means it's the thing that you should. I confess to basically my first sexual experience, which is I was 12. Uh, there was a 17-year-old girl and she and I went into the woods and she performed oral sex. And when I started to confess that, it's like the whole air in the confessional changed. Mm -hmm. And the priest sat up. And the priest was paying more attention. His ears were more alert. His heat, his breathing became heavier. And he started to ask for more details. Oh, and at oh, first dear. I started to give them because that's an incredibly difficult situation. Mm -hmm. This is why the Catholic Church got away with the pedophilia that got away with it. Yeah. It's why the Catholic Church got away with the abuse that it, it did was because we are talking about oftentimes low income children or right. low income families who look to the church for guidance, who believe that these priests have the ear of God and thus can do no wrong. And I'm sitting there saying more and more, but even then at the age of 12, I knew something uncomfortable was happening. Again, I can't tell for sure what was going on on the other mm -hmm. side of that lattice. I don't know if that was an interest that he was just taking in an audio, if there was more that was happening there, but I did eventually just get up and leave. Yeah. Um, and, and that, it's that a really vivid a scene. It's a very difficult moment for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And something yeah. I've wrestled with for a very long time yeah. because yeah. my mother and father were both involved with the church. So when Spotlight comes out mm -hmm. in the early 2000s, the work of the Boston Globe investigative team, mm -hmm. the things that they showed were part, I was very close to all of that. And my mm -hmm. parent, I remember my mother just asking with such a heavy heart, did something happen? And I'm not going to give away too much of the book here, but you mm -hmm. can read it. But but that that you know, it's it's a tough yeah. thing that happened to so many different Catholic families. It, indeed, I we're I think we're all Catholic. Are you Catholic? Yeah, we're raised yeah. Catholic. Yeah, uh, I, I of course when I went in the confessional because they're not interested in women at all. They're like, do you have anything to confess? And I said, no, I've not done anything wrong. And they said, <laughs> everyone is a sinner. And I said, this, you know, were you mean to your brother? I said, that's not a sin. I'm not saying anything. I refuse. <laughs> and they were like, get out of here. And I was like, okay, good. Sounds good. Yeah, have a good day. You so. were like, that was self-defense. I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. And I remember those confessions where they, they forced you to do them as children. And then, mm -hmm. so you had to make something up. I was like, I don't know. I pulled my sister's hair, which I didn't do. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. I don't do anything wrong like you. I was like, nothing. Mm -hmm. well, I, it's the whole thing is so crazy. Well, there is the gay thing. There is the yeah. gay thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah. Anyway, this is a really wonderful book and you are a really wonderful writer. I think that's the best part of it. I can't um, wait to, re to read it. And and it's it, it's a really it's a really fun and easy read and also uh, full of 
just really vivid writing. And one again, it really strikes me how you talk, because you had been one of the first books editor at BuzzFeed News, which is the social media-driven outlet of all time, really. Um, and so it's really interesting that you talk a lot about community and creation of physical community on the thing. It's a wonderful book. I think a lot of people uh, should pick it up. Anyway, the book is Dirtbag, Massachusetts. Thank you, Isaac Fitzgerald. Kara and Sean, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. Uh, Like I said, big fan. So thanks thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. Yeah. All right, Sean, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Oh, great. Okay, Sean, let's hear some predictions. I want a really good prediction for you besides Britney Spears' latest Whatever. I, 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 I didn't understand. I didn't know we had, I had to do homework for this. Just, Predictions. What, what do you think is going to happen in some About what? Anything. Anything. I didn't know I was supposed to have what is your prediction? My prediction? I think yeah. Liz Cheney is going to lose her thing, which is not much of a prediction, but she is yeah. probably going to run for president. You know what? I predict that this country is tired of the divisiveness and we're going to come together in a community fashion, as Isaac said, very soon, uh, sooner than later. Oh, I Optimist. like that. I like yeah. that. That is a really nice, that's a prediction. That's a yeah. good prediction. I do think that. I think everybody's sick and tired of all this bullshit. Well, how is it going to manifest itself? It's going to manifest itself through elections. You wait and see. People are going to be like, hey, you know what? We didn't talk about this uh, new party that's been right. formed called Forward. Yes, that's Andrew Yang. Yes. Yeah, I would do that. You I'd sign that? up for that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'll because call I him. think that's where I'll people are. It's like both sides are so crazy right now that that's right. right? Right. One is more crazy than the other, though, I have to say. Yes, I agree. I agree. But would you do, would you sign up for the forward initiative? Uh, Not that particular one, but I do think a third party is really, we're at that moment. Who would you like to see be the next president? Oh, God. Stacey Abrams, maybe. I think she's really smart. Yeah. Um, There you go. I think Buttigieg would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd like a gay in the White House, wouldn't you? You'd like a gay. (laughs) Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I would. Yes. He's a very different kind of gay than you and I, I think, though. Yes, he's, well, he's smart. <laughs> I'm going to leave it on that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we want to hear from you. Send us your questions about business tech or whatever's on your mind. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. Sean, that is the show. I really, really recommend everybody. I know everyone knows you from Will and Grace, but your podcast is wonderful. It really you, is. It's Thank really you. great. Nice and I, you're my favorite part of it. Don't say that to the other boys. Thank but you. It's called Smartless, by the Smartless. way. It's called yeah. Smartless. It's on the top of all the lists and it's really, it's quite and, smart, actually. And, qui- quite and smart. quick little plug, I also do another one called Hypochondria Actor, which I do with a doctor friend of mine, because I'm an actor who's a hypochondriac. It's a great podcast. What, what happened to you last week? What was well, pick, a, pick a body part and I'll tell you a story. <laughs> okay. That's what it's about. Okay. Hypochondria Actor with Sean Hayes. Yeah. Uh, listen, Annie, you're a wonderful right. podcast. I'm glad I bugged you that time to do it, because you're really such a clever man. Thank you. I wouldn't be here without, without your advice. Yes. No, you would. You would. Anyway. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Scott Galloway, no, absolutely not. And Axios <laughs> would not have sold for $525 million without my help. But you, right. <laughs> you thrive whatever you do. Anyway, we'll be back on Friday for more. I will read us out, Sean. Today's okay, show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ben Woods engineered oh, this. Fantastic. You can keep talking during yeah, it. I will. I will. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Subscribe. because it's Wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks oh, for listening so to Pivot Thanks from New York everybody. Magazine and Vox oh, Media. God. We'll be really back so later nice. this week for another oh, breakdown so of all good. things tech and business. Tech and, and Sean Hayes. Technologies. 
Yeah. Is a boss. Lesbians, what does your t-shirt say? <laughs> Lesbians who tech. Lesbians who tech. Okay. Thank you, Sean. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.